Well, here we are at Spring One Platform 2018. Is that the right year? Yeah. I haven't checked today. This All is right. It. And why don't you introduce yourself briefly? Sir, uh, my name is Thomas Squayo. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at West Corporation. We're a multinational uh, communications company focusing, focused on uh, connecting people simply. Yeah, and so what is, at, a, at a company like yours, what does a CTO do? So I'm responsible for product engineering globally, uh-huh. uh, and we have uh, various domains that we operate in, everything from conferencing and collaboration to safety to uh, interactive services, which includes both inbound, outbound, IVR, and all of the uh, applications around the customer experience ecosystem. Yeah, I guess, I mean, not to be insulting to other companies, but I often wonder, like, what a CTO at a non-vendor does. But in your case, now that you say it, it's pretty easy to figure out because you make stuff. Yeah, yeah make software. <laughs> you, you make, yeah, you make technology stuff. So yeah. as you say, you need someone to be, like, have purview over all the product and actually doing things. Mm-hmm. So that, that, makes, that makes a lot more sense because I went... I, now that I've talked myself into this hole, I can't think of an organization where you would it would be confusing about what a CTO would do. I don't know, maybe like construction. Yeah. Well, I did probably have a chief information officer. Yeah, and yeah, responsible exactly. For like IT finance and PMO and yeah, all those kind of things. Totally. Yeah. So I work for our CIO. Yeah. Uh, I'm on his team, and I have a counterpart of a chief architect and a chief product officer. So kind yeah. of those are my. My, my peers, and then we hand off to a head of operations. Yeah, no, so. I, I guess I guess I guess you're. I mean, obvi- yeah, of course you'd have a CIO. And I guess the thing that always thuds in my mind is if you're not working on a technology-based product, like if you were some sort of coffee chain, like mm-hmm. your product is coffee, and so do you need like they big coffee chains probably have a CTO. There's but, definitely uh, the, yeah, Starbucks yeah. has a mobile group. I yeah, mean, that, that's so, true. That's true. So. Yeah, yeah. I, that would be software has eaten the world. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that mobile app is really nice. They don't use it in Europe at all. Oh, which, okay. uh, I think I'm going to lose all my stars. I need to remember that when I'm here to get my free. Anyways, that's that's neither here nor there, as it were. But uh, so so one of the things we were talking catching up on. Well, one, you've been uh, you know for for a little while working on a book about digital transformation. And mm-hmm. well, let me ask you this first. You think that's a good phrase? No. What, what, what no. should we say instead? No, I think it's a it's more. Uh, I'd actually move back to more business transformation than anything. Oh else. yeah. So, okay. I, mean, I think that we're. I think the term that they arrived at originally was actually more relevant because I think that if we talk about Starbucks journey, you talk about yeah, yeah. any of these other organizations that are out there that are kind of weaving technology into the fabric of their organization, yeah. it's actually a fundamental shift in their business. You think you think we could get, we could get away with that as sort of like thought lording people? We could say business transformation? Does, I, does I, could, work? I could drop it from all the presentations I give and <laughs> start, start a revolution here. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it is like, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say at this so point, actually, but maybe business is better. I did just drop the word it's just I just talk about transformation. You're going from A yeah, to N. Yeah. You know, whatever that transformation is, you have to build kind of a repeatable engine yeah. where people are used to the culture of change without necessarily viewing it as an enemy. Yeah. I think that um, you know, you know, whether you kind of view it as the only constant or anything like that, if you work in technology, there's no there's no chance that you can work in technology and expect things to be stagnant. If you do, you have a shelf life of about 18 months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is kind of, I guess, what technology is, right? That distinguishes it from other things. That's why we're here every year. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, starting I mean, with y'all, like like at West, where did you start with? Like if, if, sure. there's, if there's change that needs to happen, sure. like what were you changing from? So uh, West was operating as a holding company for many years. So we had five uh, business segments. Those five segments largely rolled up to, uh, you know, segment presidents where general managers ran each uh-huh. line of business. And now we've actually eliminated the GM structure and pulled it into an operating company model. So now you are able to 
um, you know, centralized IT functions, be able to mm. build product engineering, you're able to uh, build around a domain model. You, uh, you, you can operate agile at scale now. You have the ability to be able to go and look from uh, strategy, architecture, to engineering, and how that's ultimately going to affect how you're going to move to operations. In our, in our journey, from a technology perspective, it's to move from an operator-intensive model yeah. to a very product development and engineering focus, where you see you know, teams that uh, might have been um, developers doing like 75% of their time on non-developer tasks and yeah, 25% yeah. of their time actually doing software engineering. We want to shift that. We want to invert that entirely. So they're actually focused on doing that thing around value creation more than anything else. Yeah. So, so describe that that uh, operations mentality of doing things. Like, what what does that look like from sort of like an end to end perspective of like you know customer needs to do something to like you providing it to them. Well, well West as an organization uh, delivers all layers of the OSI stack. So everything right. from physical infrastructure through layer seven, where it's actually a traditional application environment. So we have. Uh, physical assets that require a different way of implementing than, say, you know, a cloud-native application that's going to be delivered over a mobile device. So in that kind of in that journey, you've started to see kind of this notion of uh, how teams need to be able to kind of view their work differently, view it in increments, view it in uh, you know, smaller uh, groupings of work in progress, yeah. and how it actually gets rolled out to the field. Um, from a customer perspective. Um, our customers don't really care about the fact that we have legacy infrastructure, physical hardware, and so on and so forth. So when we move away from that operator-intensive view, it's being able to go and take what we can move into a, a modern architecture and be very aggressive about that. And that ends up being about, I'd say, about 60% of our portfolio of candidates to be able to move towards a modern architecture. Right, right. Okay, okay. So, so instead of just sort of like, uh, I mean, I guess a synonym for operating is just like running the thing. And instead of uh, across those layers, people are sort of, concerned about running their component of it, right. essentially. And, and and what you want to have is more of a, I get mixed up spatially, I guess you want more of a, it's not horizontal, but you want to make sure that like there's responsibility for the entire product that yes. you're delivering to the yeah. customer. And that the t instead of instead of the teams being like, I'm, I'm at whatever this layer, or I do this yes. thing, and then it kind of integrates together at some point, <laughs> well, well, instead we deliver the whole thing, or like, I shouldn't say deliver we have as much responsibility over the whole thing that we might, the product that we might deliver. Whether we, whether we look at it as a, as a domain model or an end end service model or an agile release chain or train or a value stream, any one of those is synonymous for you are accountable for what goes into production and what the quality of service for that customer experience yeah, is. Yeah. So what we've done and one of the things that has changed uh, or is a key part of our change and transformation is that we now have product engineering teams who are equally responsible for what's happening in the operating environment in front of our customer. Yeah. So it's no longer kind of that throw it over the transom. They think of that old adage where dev went to QA and they threw it over a transom. Sure. And QA said, yeah, it's good. And then they threw it over to operations. No, that is an integrated team now where they are responsible all the way through the customer success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I've been thinking about this stuff over the summer, it seems like, uh, I mean, this, this is sort of like a big point of, of DevOps stuff mm -hmm. at a... I guess ironically maybe at an operator level <laughs> of, of if we wanted to operate this stuff better, we should have the operations and developer people work together mm -hmm. and have responsibility for it in production. And, and like as you're talking through it, like I guess maybe, I mean this is a theory of what I'm thinking, like maybe what I've always felt is missing from that is like the product part, mm -hmm. right? Like it's one thing to make sure that you write this code, you, you, um, 
the developers satisfy the requirements and they write the code and then they're also responsible for like it running in production mm -hmm. but there's always been this other layer of like well is that a good business mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and how do you, how do you layer that on on top of it as as well well we we consider so one of my key partners is our chief product officer and then we have a counterpart each one of my executives that's on my team has a counterpart on my chief product officer's team yeah uh, so when we work together those are looked at in kind of that end-to-end -end model without a doubt and i think the other player that's missing in that equation is security so mm. when we see any any of our our kind of when we get punched in the face it's always in that reality of between operations, networking, and security. So we need to be yeah, able to yeah, kind of yeah. make sure that those people are, are just as equally part on the team. So when it makes uh, sense from a business context, that's actually being managed as a portfolio. So we're looking at all the elements that drive that, what applications actually drive that product. And then from a technical perspective, we're looking at what can we consolidate, what we can modernize, how we actually commingle, you know, PAS, PKS, and maybe even directly on the yeah. on the IS fa uh, fabric. So, 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 what are y'all? Uh, is is a chief product officer a CPO? Yes. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. when you're with with the uh, the CPO, and I guess it's a, is it a CISO? I always forget the yeah, security CISO. one. Yeah. And and you're there, and and some other people. Like, what? Uh, I mean, so like you come into the room. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you what do you do? I mean, there's always a bunch of prep work. Yeah. But like, what are the like the tools oh. you use for like? Here's what we're gonna do next. Like, like there must be some analysis you do and some oh, well, thinking. That, or yeah, what, that, what does that look like? I mean, it's more. I mean, it's everything from business case development to um, you know, kind of position and theory of action statements that we could actually right, right. test out. So, a big part of. I mean, we're on our um, kind of redefinition of our next generation CX platform right now. So that process involves customer engagement, being able to work with the uh, folks that we work with, and uh, commercial utility, pharma, healthcare, energy, and yeah, you, yeah. And, and others. And what happens is that the chief product officer and I are out in those meetings together. We are kind of going over what our theory of action is and how that would go. How does that resonate with the customers? Uh -huh. And when and and the executives that are responsible for those lines are in those conversations as well. Security and uh, architecture are usually brought in as a more of an internal process. So they're actually being, yeah. you know, they're engaged after that kind of you know that that kind of forward tip of the spears come back in. Right. And what happens in that point is that. We're actually looking at what can we take advantage of from a kind of a uh, forward-looking technology perspective, what's going to be able to eliminate technical debt in the portfolio. Uh -huh. And the customer really doesn't care about any of that. They, so if we talk about what's below the value line from an engineering perspective, the customer uh -huh. goes and says, what's below the value line is everything that you do beyond the quality of service. Yeah, yeah they're like, sorry, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. But the thing is, is we have to meet them where they're going to, you know, Transact dollars. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the ultimate uh, value prop. Yeah, and that, that's that's. I mean, the part of it, among many things, one of the parts that's interesting is that there's always this tension of the technologist saying. There's two things that they say that there's a tension around. Like one, here's something we could do mm -hmm. that maybe no one's asked for, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And then the other one is like, uh, we gotta like fix the messes we have, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like yeah. in order to do any like good customer experience, mm -hmm. any good CX stuff. There's a lot of like, well, maybe not in y'all's case, but there, there's, Every, there's everybody's case. Yeah, there's a fair amount of like technical debt and building out that we need to do, and like so, like uh, I think the tension comes when the like the product people are sort of like, yeah, but I want to talk about like product. Mm -hmm. So how do you like, how do you get like the product people to be like, all right, you should do some technical debt. That well, I think, I think we have to carry technical debt on the balance sheet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's without a doubt. I mean, the decisions that as soon as 
you know, any line of code is put in production, there's technical debt incurred with it. You have to manage it, and ultimately any any bit of its extensibility is. And do, be, do you all have you figured out a way to kind of like do that? We're in, in, in the in process. I mean, I think yeah. that we're I think we're you know it's early, and yeah. some of the more mature organizations that I kind of look to, I, you know, whether that be somebody like T Row or JPMC yeah. or anything like that, they're actually managing it on the balance sheet. So. Um, we're kind of looking at modeling that. We have a new chief architect that's just joined our team. Uh, he and I are going to be very focused on how do we actually uh, account for that and then yeah. actually, you know, pay that debt down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I do think that uh, we look at kind of next generation products, the thing is, is that one of the one of the challenges also is that there's always that notion we have all this IP to draw from, you know. Yeah. But we also have this debt that goes on. So, but the things that give us that incumbency status is the same things that uh, also hold us back from just kind of having yeah, a blank yeah. slate. Yeah, I always think um, of those as like the shackles of success. Yeah, and I also don't believe in uh, setting up an external innovation team that's yeah. going to go out and do the cool stuff while leaving the other stuff behind because ultimately that kind of creates a. It creates a framework where there's a lot of animosity against that team. And yeah. It kind of sets them on a pedestal to and fail. It seems like it's hard to integrate. Like, I remember uh, a long time ago now, I was talking with, with some, uh, with a team somewhere mm-hmm. that I'm on, anonymizing, and uh, they, were, they were talking about how difficult doing their IT was and, you know, changing and, mm-hmm. and getting to that point where you could have a discussion about how do we do new things with the product. And they had a they had a really good mobile app that mm-hmm. I used all the time, and I said like, yeah, but your mobile app is awesome. And and kind of to what you're saying, they're like, oh, yeah, that's some other team, yeah, like way over there. Yeah, yeah. And like my thought was like, well, maybe you should go talk to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, however they got to that point. Like, obviously, like you're saying, you bring um, that's such that was a cool metaphor at first, but it's, I don't think it's quite. I don't know. It doesn't work as well as as I think it a used yoke. to. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking black hole, but yeah, that's yeah. not hopeful. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. In, anyways, but you know, it's sort of like obviously you've got more existing debt in in for this conversation, but there is something that that other team is doing mm-hmm. that like you should be doing. But anyways, so it seems like it's nice to not split things off. Well, we to, have a continuum. Everything from you know what I'll say, legacy technologies that were built in uh, you know kind of MVC patterns in the mid aughts, all yeah, the way yeah. through cloud native twelve factor applications that are being developed right now. Yeah, uh, you know we've got every you know we're, we we select a pivotal because it's a polyglot platform. Uh, and because of that, we are able to kind of now at least standardize the operational plane with what was announced being able to monitor multiple foundries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big deal for us. Yeah. That, that, that was an ask that we had. Uh, our business reality is that we have to be able to operate in our on-prem environments and our cloud environments, and I have to keep them both as equally first-class citizens. There can't be yeah. there can't be this balance of power where I say, oh, you're in the cloud, therefore you get all these passes and everything like that. We still have to deal with patch hygiene. We still have to deal with all those things. But because of the size of the portfolio and the introduction of things like PKS, um, we now have an ability to, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, incorporate portions of our portfolio that were not candidates when we were only looking at PAS. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. now. So the more of our estate that we were able to kind of get on a single management plane, the more I'm able to have that, you know, move from very operator intensive to value yeah. creation. No, so. and 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 that's the shift that like. Uh, I think we're always chasing after. Mm-hmm. Like, like as, as you're going over that, I was thinking. I mean, I was thinking a couple of things. One, at some point, you want the the product side of the house. Maybe that's a better word than the business. Mm-hmm. Like in IT, we're always saying the business, but you want the product people to. We are the business. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's the thing that West has has uh, part of our journey and transformation was yeah. that this notion of 
separate organizations where we ask IT to do something yeah, and the yeah. other team is actually doing a, uh, uh, you know, the business. Yeah. Now it's the fabric of the organization. And, and so that, that probably gets closer to this thing of having uh, product think, and of course this is completely self-serving being a pivotal person, but like we need a platform mm -hmm. in order to evolve the product and, and service a product. And it was making me think like, I would assume if you're in uh, like a, a manufacturing environment, you realize like how valuable whatever your manufacturing process mm -hmm. is, right? Like whether it's old, you know, Henry Ford stuff mm -hmm. or Toyota Lean stuff mm -hmm. or whatever it is people do nowadays, mm -hmm. or like robots. Mm -hmm. And so there's probably active discussion from the business, I'm putting that in air quotes, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> of how like we need the robots, yeah. right? Like they're the ones pulling in the technology. Whereas I think in the IT world, it's at the infrastructure layer, it's very rare that people pull in the technology, mm -hmm. which, which... Well, I think, I think that with uh, AI, machine learning, RPA, you know, uh, knowledge engineering, all those activities that yeah, are yeah. happening now, those things that were the business in air quotes now, uh, now their, their differentiation is ultimately... Yeah, yeah, th those, those get dragged so. in easily. It's just, it's just like that lower level stuff of yeah. like... Uh, yeah, I mean, the, to, the to conveyor make, belt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Be, so. to, to make a joke about it, right? It's just like, we need containers. Yeah. And then the product people would be like, I don't, what, what are you talking about? But I don't think that the, the I mean, so I think that um, one of the other things that we've also seen is our product people yeah. have become more uh, uh, sophisticated technologists. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. So, so when we do talk about containers, they understand why. They understand what the value of that is. No, th uh, no that's, that's exactly the point. It's yeah. like getting, getting to that point where... And, then, and I guess it's like the reverse flow of the other part where mm -hmm. you want the technologists yeah, to technologists become more the product, product people. But then also the product people need to sort of like understand the use of these various wacky technologies mm -hmm. we have. And stuff like AI and is a little more understandable, but definitely at the infrastructure layer. Like well, I, I, I think that I think our, our job as technologists is to be able to insulate folks from that uh, some of the complexity that needs yeah. to really be worked out under the hood by our engineering teams. That shouldn't be the topic of conversation. It's definitely not the topic of conversation in the boardroom. It's definitely not with our C-suite. Yeah. But the thing is, is that our C-suite is uh, able to have very complex conversations about what the value of something like a microservice is versus something else. And I mean, you know, it's pretty, you kind of, you kind of mind blown when you're having conversations with the CEO and he starts talking about yeah. microservice architectures. So yeah, like, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, guess, I mean, not to, not and to. And not in a technology company like Pivot. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and to stop flogging the, the dead horse into glue. Yeah. Just like it is, like I would imagine if you're in like a, uh, you know, a consumer package good company, like at the C-suite and board level, you talk about like toothpaste innovation, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, like there's the technology yeah. side of toothpaste, yeah. right? And, and that probably bubbles up all the way to the top, right? Like probably at some point they were like, you should check about you should check out aerosol, <laughs> right? Like this is going to change the industry. CFCs. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait a second. No. What if we could just press a button and spray product out? <laughs> Which maybe was like the containers of the day. Yeah. So, uh, so in like the other thing I, I uh, I've been asking people about is so in shifting from that operational thing to uh, a mode to a product mode, right? I think. I think the way people talk about that change is, you know, you have to change your culture around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, we were talking before I was recording how there is the, um, you know, the Western model and all these things. And I always get frustrated. Well, they're delightful, but they're very descriptive mm -hmm. rather than saying how you change over to doing something. Mm -hmm. And so um, in your case, like when you were switching people over from mm -hmm. I'm going to operate my one part mm -hmm. and it, instead to... 
I'm a product person. Yeah, I'm <laughs> basically. in an ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I'm I I should care about, be involved in and work on the whole product, mm-hmm. like the whole thing of it. Like what what are some challenges you had in doing that with, with people or, or groups? Or or was it super smooth? No, 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 nothing's ever super smooth. <laughs> if anybody tells you that they're they're kind of glossing over the details. So That's right. I, mean, I think that um, you know, one of the things that I found is not everybody makes the current. You know, yeah. some people don't. They aren't, they're not going to be able to make that shift. Yeah, that's something that the uh, the Dick's Sporting Goods yeah. guy kind of yeah. said pretty briefly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's very, brief. it's, he was very, very real about it. It's yeah, very yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing that I do find is that um, usually the talent's already in the organization and they've been starving for the opportunity to think mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Um, I think that what we see is that you now need to temper that back so people don't overreach beyond their kind of domain of influence. And I talked a little bit about <laughs> that, uh, that notion of I want developers to focus on development tasks, whether that be software yeah. engineering or SRE or any of those kind of things. Um, I want that to be their area of focus. But then as you kind of move around in the organization structure, you think about how a balanced team is going to operate and you yeah, think about yeah. how they're going to operate with it, with their directors and executives and so on and so forth. That's where you're starting to see a lot more cross-sectioned into the product organization. So I think that people need to be able to understand the context of how the value is actually being created. Yeah. But that's that's what I kind of see how it So wait, wait, that, that last part you're talking about when you're interfacing with like the management layers, mm-hmm. and that that affects like, like what, what what is that? Tell me more about that. Well, I think that um, as as a as a technologist, um, I have to be understanding and also uh, sympathetic to what drives the product organization, why they need to be able to do these things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from an architecture standpoint, the architects need to be able to understand how the engineering organization works because most of I've, most architects always kind of came into their architecture roles through the engineering uh, chain. But at the end of the day, I mean, we have we have a very tight coupling of those two organizations. I always kind of joke around, you know, architecture, special forces, product engineering's regular army. You know, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that like it's it's they have to work together. But but you know, the strategy and the product strategies are basically being orchestrated lar- largely by the leadership teams. Yeah, yeah. So so what do you, what do you think of the notion of like the frozen middle? Does that, uh, it's does very that are, real. I yeah. really call it the frozen middle or the clay layer or whatever you want the to call it. clay layer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it needs to be defrosted. And the thing is, is that, uh, again, um, this too shall pass is not a strategy. Uh, because the thing is... That's like the hope strategy, yeah, right? Exactly. I hope this goes away. <laughs> you know? I hope you go away. You know? um, but the thing is, is that um, you, know, you kind of think of that, uh, there's a YouTube video, The Lone Nut. You know, the guy in no, the audience, no. you should check it out. So it's basically this notion of change management. It's, uh, it's just one person that's willing to run at this problem over and over again. And then when somebody joins him, it's actually that second group that joins in is actually the thing that actually makes the change real. Because oh, you have yeah, one yeah, guy yeah. that's just crazy. The nut. And then everybody else is actually going to say, oh, maybe what they're doing is actually pretty cool. And in the case of technology, when you look at this, you kind of go and say, all right, well, um, when when engineers hear from other engineers and it's not a top-down mandate, yeah. then it becomes real. And one of the things we found, the kind of virtuous byproduct of us implementing Pivotal and kind of going through our AppTXs and transformation journey and so on and so forth was when teams were able to actually draw from knowledge within at, from themselves yeah. without having it be kind of like, hey, a vendor's going to come in and enable you. And they can like self-educate yeah. Yeah, and self, exactly. self-thought leader. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, my highest functioning teams have been able to implement uh, without ever actually having anything more than just the documentation. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And that's always exciting because then you're able to go and say like, hey, I've got pockets of great talent that are also motivated to lean forward and deliver. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what you started saying um, on the culture thing comes up over and over again that like the 
you have the staff who have just been waiting for someone to tell them to do a good job. Yeah. Or not tell them, to enable them, enable them. To, to do a good job. And I mean, Adrian Cockcroft, when yeah. he was at Netflix, used to say, I get all my engineers yeah, from totally. you. Yeah, totally. Right, right. Cause, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was always a good quip. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. That, and I took that to heart because, I mean, I thought to myself, I'm like, people are, uh, you know, people join teams and, right. and they work for their leader. And the thing is, is if they don't believe in that leader and that, and, and, or their team is inhibiting their ability to do something, they get bored and they leave. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. they stay, and that might be the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, so, so, so do, you, do you think there's, there's arguments the wrong word, but do you think there's an observation to be made that your, your sort of, let's call them engineering staff, are the ones who need the least help changing? Like, like you know, once they're, once they're given the ability to do something better, or like... Like, like, to if, if if we were to take, let's say, four groups, I'll give you three. Use yeah, yeah, the yeah. rule of thirds. You yeah, got, yeah, yeah. You have thirty percent of the organization that is going to just you know take to this like a duck to water. Right. You have thirty percent of the organization that can go in either direction, and you have thirty percent resistors. And yeah, the thing yeah, yeah. is, and, I, and and what the problem is, is that the resistors typically have more gravity than the people at the top of them. Because the thing is, is that yeah. you need to be able to get that inner, that middle 30% to be able to see themselves excelling. It's kind of like that cusp of engagement in gaming. Yeah, you yeah. need to be able to have the person succeed, but it's got to be challenging enough that it actually gives them reward. Whether you're, you know, uh, physical training, gaming, any of that cusp of engagement. Because the thing is, if you roll up on some task that's not achievable then you're going to just kind of give up. But the thing is, is if you're able to kind of meet them, and, I, and we call it our customer journey internally. Uh-huh. So we basically go to our, our engineering teams. We treat them as customers of the platform. And then when we go to them, we say, hey, okay, you know, you're going to start at step A, uh-huh. and we could see you going all the way to step N or beyond. And the thing is, yeah. is that what we see here is that there's going to be a point where our, your journey is not going to be something that we're going to prescribe. You are going to tell us how that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that sort of, like, uh, autonomy part. Right. That's another, yeah, like, mysterious aspect of... No, and, and you, said, you said it nice and concisely there, is, like, we'll sort of, like, push you. Yeah. <laughs> and at some point, you've got to, like, drive yourself, which right. is a very... I guess, especially if you're moving from an operating sort of mode. Like, mm-hmm. you don't... You are told what to operate. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're not sort of left to, to come up with what you should be doing at any given time. West as an organization... Uh, uh, a big portion of the business was implementing other people's software, you know, yeah, and, then, yeah. and doing the integrations around it. And now we're actually building a lot more of that software end to end, and that is something that is actually a part of the change. So you see, you don't see a demarcation between those that implement and those that engineer. You're now seeing that part of the whole system. Right, right. So, so you've mentioned at least one tactical thing that, as as the management layer, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. leadership, you could even say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that you can do to change the the culture, the organization over, right? And that was, um, you know, like go go to the team and kind of walk them through, like here's here's the product that you're working on, the customer journey, and let's kind of like I don't know, is it a week or a couple of days or whatever? Let's spend some time and just imagine what's going to happen and kind of like get you involved in that process to sort of walk them through it. Um, but like, what, what are what are some other tactics that, that you use to switch people over? One of the things that we did was, um, you know, we're in the process of rolling out like a, a technical education academy. We've got those kind of habits, future leader development, all these kind of things where you start to see people like getting engaged in a professional development journey that's around what their their craft is. 
so yeah. the craft of software engineering as yeah, opposed yeah. to necessarily like you're here to build this app and I don't care about anything about your career so we're looking at the whole individual yeah now. that's interesting and that's yeah. something that's also part of the culture change so I mean it's yeah. like we kind of um, our CIO has a, a, a construct where you kind of categorize the world and customer and colleague and you can't consider each you know you can't you can't go and and if, if you teeter too far on one end of that balance or the other you end up kind of losing the ability to execute for either one because the thing is yeah. if it's like you know you grind your staff down to a nub the customer is going to suffer if the customers you know if, if, if you invest too much in you know organizational health and it's at the expense of the customer you're going to lose market share so yeah. you kind of see this kind of balance occurring and that's been a part of the, the the culture really kind of gets driven at the top but the thing is that it actually gets realized you know throughout the whole the whole yeah system. yeah, yeah. So, no, i mean that's the challenge of yeah, it right yeah. you, you can't just like mandate it yeah <laughs> you can't just rain it down and, and it's goodness and i mean i mean that that's an interesting shift as far as the way i guess i mean you could call it hr but i mean the way you do your people management mm-hmm. and training is equally based on you're ultimately going to be a product oriented person right 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 opposed to i mean just to repeat back what you're saying in it you could assume or you could say the training is going to be like you should get you should get better at like JavaScript. Yeah, so here's like right. some JavaScript right, training. Right, right, right. But instead, you want to give them some training and nurturing of like here's the broader picture of, of what you should be paying attention to. Well, I think that um, we use a, uh, a a maturity modeling framework that we built internally. Yeah. Uh, we worked with ThoughtWorks to build the initial one, and then we kind of iterated over it from there. And uh, what that did is it kind of gave us like you know a eight maturity assessments that we would administer to the teams and they would actually go and say hey we think we're here and the question what the outcome of that is actually that we go and say okay you're here now where do you want to be in a year you know yeah. and then that gives them the ability to go and say hey you know we want to get better at our automation ci cd configuration management blah 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 some of those are just we'll use the platform and automatically you're going to be in a better spot yeah, yeah and that's yeah. A, and the thing is is that you know once people kind of that light bulb comes on they go and say, oh, okay, so what we want to do is make the right way the easy way, whether it's from you know, configuration management, deployment, environment management, or even security. By using the platform, we insulate people things from uh, things like patch hygiene, uh-huh. uh, you know, library management, uh, automated security testing is baked in, your CICD is there, you know, automated QA, all those activities that actually are kind of the far end of the maturity spectrum they get when they start to come into the platform and then they yeah. start to see that these things become part of their craft and then they can become better software engineers yeah, yeah, whether, yeah. where it's they're like, focused on something like O theory or they're focused on, you know, uh, actually, yeah, you yeah, know, it's like so a, a product enabling cyclomatic complexity, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. those kind of things. So. so so then so then just to wrap up lastly on a somewhat related topic. So like uh, if someone wanted to be a CTO mm-hmm. and they were like maybe a senior technical person or you know there's some some they're about maybe two-thirds of the way there yeah. like what, what's kind of like the last mile advice you would give them uh go like, be diverse uh nobody comes up from one one path all right so kind of spread yourself yeah. around yeah, yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i think that um you know i think that one of the one of the uh observations that i have about my peers that are uh, on the, uh cio's executive team is none of them came up from a single track Every one of them yeah, came yeah. up from, you know, they spent time in the product organization, they spent time in the strategy function, they've, they've done time in security or engineering or any of these things, quality. By having that kind of diversity, you now have an opportunity to kind of have a better perspective for how you need to be, you know, yeah. uh, empathetic as a leader. No, that's good. That's, that's not advice you get all the time because 
oftentimes your manager wants you. <laughs> like, like it's difficult to get sort of mentoring. Mentoring is, I guess, what you, you want to get, but to get, you know, in your annual or whatever meeting of how you can improve, it's it's very rare that your manager's like, what you should do is not work for me. Yeah. <laughs> and and mean it in a helpful way. Well, I think I think that we also view it as that um, our ideal our, our ideal staff is going to be somebody that's valuable not only to West but valuable yeah. in the market. Yeah, 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 and I think that one of the reasons why we selected some of the, te- the technologies that we did was technology first, process, you know, kind of um, uh, capability, and then ultimately that culture kind yeah. of goes throughout all of those. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that makes that staff member uh, valuable to us is the thing that makes them valuable in the industry. And if they That's have true. that, if they if they've been worked with as a whole individual, then then they're not as likely to leave us. Yeah, they're yeah, likely to be enjoying the work that they're doing. They're enjoying the team that they're working on. But if it's a drag, why would they stay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so. then, like, I mean, as you are saying earlier, that'll be reflected in your product. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in your business, right? <laughs> like, like it's, uh, like, you know, just as a happy wife makes a happy life. Yes, exactly. A happy employee makes a happy... A vibrant company. ...business. Yeah, <laughs> I need to find something that rhymes. Right? Yeah, well, great. Well, well thanks for uh, finding some time to talk. And if people want to, uh, I don't know, follow you around in a non-creepy way, yes. you got a Twitter account yep, or anything? Yeah, at, uh, at Twitter. Yeah, 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 sounds good. All right, so, well, uh, we'll see everyone next time.